Good afternoon, friends, and welcome to another grand and glorious day here in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Here we are. That was a quick game. Who knew? You know, they got up early and then they just blasted through the rest of it. Big win by the Twins today. Awesome to see. Awesome. Barrios on the mound throwing a gem. A gem. Welcome to the Patrick Lally Show as we pick up here where the Twins left off. We're going to engage in uh, something less than a couple hours of entertaining and exciting and energetic conversation about news and politics, sports and leisure. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about cycling a little bit later. It's going to be fun. Good times. Lots of news today. There's a lot going on. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio with us today, as always, after doing an admirable job shepherding the twins out to the Information 1000 airways. Oh, thank you very much. Um, Dan, that was fast. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. Here we are. We're going to have a show. You should be doing that. You should think about that because Barrios, when he's throwing darts like that, I know things are going to clip right along. Well, I checked in. I checked. So, you know, when the twins are on, I don't rush right into the studio. This is the little known secret about my life. I don't fly right in here when the twins are on unless, you know, I pay attention. I listen to the twins and, uh, you know, the game started and I heard a, I heard a couple home runs. That was cool. And then I'm thinking this is going along real nice and I'm doing some other things and I'm running some errands. And then uh, I tune in, and Dan Gladden's doing the play-by-play. My friend, my good friend. The Dazzle Man. The Dazzle Man, the hero of, uh, one of the heroes of the 91 World Series, who's, who's well, we'll just say he's coming along as a play-by-play guy. But he does the middle three innings, and I know if, if I hear Dan's voice, I know it's not the seventh inning yet. Right? Of course. Did you hear the part where he and Timmy Laudner were talking back and forth? No, I didn't hear that. Yeah, they, they he he was they were they were throwing barbs back and forth at oh, each other. How it was did I miss T- that? Timmy Laudner's birthday today. Oh man, what is he? He's he's an old man. He's as old as I am, isn't he? Fifty something. Got to be man? somewhere in there. He's right up there, big man. I would big. say that he would be older than me, so not a contemporary of mine. Big dude, and uh, so I, you know, it's not the seventh, so I'm cool. Well, the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, boom, bang, boom, bang, boom, gone. I turn the radio on. And I get I get my uh, I get my notification on my phone. Twins win. I'm like, that's awesome. Hey, wait, I got to get to the radio station. So we're on a little earlier than I thought, but that's good. It's good for everybody. Twins win. We win because we get to be on the radio with you, good people. Thanks for listening to us. We're spending some time here. Whether you're out cruising around in your car, listening to us on Information 1000 KSOO, or streamed live at KSO.com, maybe on the KSO mobile app. We hope that's up and running for you good people out there. Sometimes when the game, because you don't get the games on the live stream, people. I get this question a lot. People say, I, I tuned in to hear you, but you weren't there. There was nothing there. And I say, were the twins on? Oh, I suppose they were. That's what's wrong. That's what happened if you aren't getting us. Anyway, so uh, you've got the apps. You've got the KSO.com. You've got our Twitter account, at P. Lally Show. You can fire that up. Uh, Yeah, so we're going to have fun today. We're going to have a good time. And uh, we've got a little bit later, Liz McMillan of Sanford Health will be here to talk about this uh, big uh, Sanford Kids Science Festival that's going on out at Sanford Research where you can Kids can learn how science works, and science is good. Science is what keeps us going. That and math. Science and math. Economics, that sort of thing. STEM. We hear a lot about STEM. 
Are you a STEM guy, Dan? Science, technology, education, education, <laughs> no. mathematics, engineering, engineering. Oh, science, that's right. technology, Ed- engineering, engineering, math. Yeah. Uh, no. no, no. I think you know. I my my uh, degree is in the sciences, mm-hmm. but but actually, I think what we are doing is is somewhat more of the arts. Yes, yes. I would say this is very much an art. An art in progress, as we like to say. Yes, it's it's a project. It's an art project. Yeah, this is this is not science, uh, rocket or otherwise. And uh, so, but Liz will be here, and we'll learn all about that big event for you and your kitties. Uh, smart cyclist Michael Christensen, always here on Thursdays. He'll be in about four today, so you're going to tune in about four. Mark your calendars. Scratch Michael in the three thirty slot where he normally is. Put him in at four, betting fourth, and now. <laughs> Bradding forth. Ooh, bringing out your Bob Casey. <laughs> Michael Christensen. Um, Kirby! <laughs> yeah, just, I, we'll do the no smoking later. Yeah, I was, that's what I was going to say. That's what you always remember. No! Yeah, we're not going to do that. You can probably pull that up somewhere. I'm sure that's out there. Right? There, Yeah, I bet th- I bet there is. Someone recorded it and then put it up on the on the interwebs. That's gots to happen situation. So Michael will be here with us today. Uh, as I was saying, there's a there actually is a lot of news today. On a lot of different fronts. Well, I do have the recording of over and over of what's going on in the McKinnon Park District. Over and over? You've over and that? over, right, yeah. Let's hear it. I'm going down, down, <laughs> down, down. I'm going down, 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 down. I'm going down, 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 Yeah, and not to make light of the uh, the Sapienza's no. plight, but no. man, you know, this, this this whole thing has been, has been a very painstaking process to get to this point. Oh, my. And, and this is another one of those situations where nobody's a winner. Oh, no way, because, and I said it the other day, all that money, and you're just watching money getting burned. It's just burning money for no good reason. And, you know, it's their money, so they can burn it if they have to. But it's just a shame, you know, and it's kind of hard to watch. Although everybody is watching it, there's like traffic jams over there, and uh, you can watch it live on various news outlets and just people going by. But I, you know, you, you go on Facebook, and face, every every like news station's got their Facebook live going, and they're just showing. Now we can talk about the there, this. It is a news story because yeah. this has been. Uh, something that's played out in the public sphere, but is it right to take somebody's misery? Because this is probably ripping the heart out of the Sapiensas along the way. Oh. Is it right to to publicize it in this manner? You know, I think it's too much. I mean, I think sort of, and I know why they do it, because people want to see it. There's a There's a gawker aspect to it. I mean, just, you can go, whenever there's a news story about that house, the traffic over there is out of control. And this, you know, there were big numbers on these live streams today. Everybody wants to watch it. And I don't, you know, it's, you're just sort of watching somebody else's, you know, wreckage. And I, I, I don't want to watch it, but I agree with you a little bit. It's a, it's a little bit too much at this point. Um, but there's high interest in it. It's just, it's kind of morbid, maybe. Is that a right word for it? Morbid? I would say, yeah, that would that would fit. Wouldn't be one of the the descriptions of what would fit in this situation. Yeah, I'm kind of tired of it because I, as I said the other day, I think it's stupid. It's just the fact that it had to come to tearing down a house. 
because you couldn't get along as neighbors. That's essentially what it comes down to. Couldn't find, just couldn't find some way out of it. And, you know, the, the Sapienzas, they fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it up to the Supreme Court. And the McDowells fought it. I mean, they, they did all these things. But in the end, wasn't there a solution? In fact, they forwarded a solution that was to drop the, the, the height of the house by eight feet. And they, and, and they were going to pay for some uh, ability for the folks to use their fireplace next door to the McDonald's. And it got rejected by the historic board because it doesn't fit with, which I thought was bull. What, where are the standards then? It's completely subjective, right? What, is, what fits the character of the McKinnon Park neighborhood? Somebody's got to explain that to me. Because these things were all built at different times. And there's a house right down the street, and they did a fine job where they, they basically gutted the house, okay? They left the frame of the house up. That's it. Everything else came out. And they rebuilt the house around, completely different, around the existing frame. So they didn't have to do that. Didn't have to go through this whole process. That's my understanding. But that's what they did. They took it all out. You could see just the frame there for a while, and then they started rebuilding the house. Now, it's a beautiful house, but is it in the character of the McKinnon Park District? I don't know. It's got dark kind of blackish stone on it. There's no other houses that have that. How is that in character then? I think where you run into the problem is that the the specifications for the lot became too large for for the house and the square footage and the and the surface area and it encroached upon the McDowell's ability to run their fireplace but that and, was all about height because this the the foundation those historic setbacks like uh you and I build a house today you got to have five feet the setback from the the side boundary is five feet when they built those houses it was three or two I think it was two so they were within the foundation of the old place. They were within the restrictions that existed when that house was built. And those don't go away just because you build a new house. So it wasn't the distance between them, as, as the way I understand it. It was because it was so tall. But when, then when they brought it down, it became, well, it still isn't within the character. So it was the design that was wrong. And in the end, I just think they weren't going to win. I, I think they got jobbed. You know, they... they they should have tried to make concessions earlier. They should have been more uh, uh, forthcoming and congenial at the beginning, and so should the other side. Um, but to have it come to this is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. What is the McKinnon Park character? There's a lot of houses over there that are of all different sizes, shapes, colors, and forms. Little ones, big ones, all different colors. What is it? There's a lot of beautiful homes. And I understand people, you know, and I understand the McDonald's being upset. I do. I totally get it. But come on. Come on. And now for the next time, the next person who wants to do some renovating or Mm -hmm. or do a, a... full repurposing Mm -hmm. of what a lot is. They have to basically check with everything, check, double check, get it in writing and make sure whoever approves whatever goes on is liable. If it turns out 
to go the other way. Yeah, and I still don't know how the city got off the hook on this. I, I just don't get it. Uh, uh, the, the city got removed from the lawsuit, but you have to submit building permits and plans and everything else, you know, just because it's a historic district, is, should the process for that be different than it is for every other house? Shouldn't the city actually be the entity that enforces these regulations rather than a volunteer board? Which that part of that bothers me because as a volunteer board, you're subject to all sorts of influences, right? Yeah, because it is possible that in 10 years, a completely different panel could rule a completely different way. Absolutely. Because is it the color? If it was strictly height, okay, strictly height, and they said, okay, we'll drop it eight feet to get below that level of the average or the uh, whatever the recommended level was, 38 feet, then it should have gone through. Okay, now it's because... It's yellow and it's got a big deck on top. I I don't I just don't get it. The whole thing is absurd to me. But here we are. She's down. I suppose by now. I haven't looked for a while. I suppose by now it's gone. It doesn't take them that long to. They have a couple big backhoe things out there and they just <laughs> scrape it right from the ground. So that's going on. We'll be watching that as we continue. What I and I said this before. What who's so are the this family? I think they've left town. I think the 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 family who built the the Sperienzas, Sapienzas, Sapienzas. Thank you. I think they've moved. You know. So now, do they just sell the lot and take the loss? Um, maybe they were insured. I can't imagine you're insured for this sort of thing, right? I would no. I would bet not. So, yeah, yeah, that's a calamity. That's a that's that, you know, hand of the courts, not hand of God. And so somebody else comes along and they have to submit their plans. Uh, what when is that going to happen? This, to me, this seems like all new territory, fresh territory. Well, and there's also the aspect that the Sapiensas could keep the lot bare. Yeah, they, they can they could say. Oh, we're not selling it. We, right. They could they could pull out, you know, the that that card and and be more obstinate about this and and just make it an eyesore. Yeah, or you know, build something that is truly ugly. You know, that was be wi- fully within the specifications. Or here, I have an idea, and this is mean. This would be really mean. They should build a house that is an exact replica. Of the one next door, the co- that they're fighting with, exact replica. <laughs> How would that make them feel? Yeah, if you were the impish sort, if you were, that would be really mean. Yeah, I, man, there's a huge house right on the corner. It's been there forever. And it's a beautiful house, and somebody bought it. It was a bit in disrepair, not bad. Somebody bought it, and the, the gentleman there is, uh, from my understanding, does all the work himself. He's and it's he's doing a great job, but it's huge. It's a barn, so uh, it just makes everybody look kind of petty. Can't we just get along, Dan? Ooh, pulling out the Rodney King. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we all just get along? Oh my God, there's a lot of. 
ah, strange things that happen. You know, and me, I'm a guy who believes that the way we uh, are building our city is not doesn't have particular foresight, right? We keep going out and out and out and out, and we got more and more and more and more room. I actually think density is a good thing, you know? So, yeah. But you have to have neighbors that get along with each other if you've got density. Yeah, maybe that's why we don't have density, because we got dense people. No. Ooh. Ow! 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 That's not fair. No, you know, and I'm living in the southeast now, and it's it's just, it's just rooftops and apartment buildings as far as the eye can see now. And it's, I, it's, it's difficult to get around no matter what sort of transportation you want to use. You know, I won't say traffic is bad, but, you know, there's traffic when you drive. And if you, God forbid, you want to use some alternative transportation out there, it's not possible. So the entire area is built on the assumption that everybody has a car. Not just, not every household has a car. Every adult has a car. And many of the uh, minor children. Everybody's, you know, you got teenagers, you got three, four cars. There's cars everywhere. And I, I just, I don't, I don't think it's a good thing. I, I think it's the wrong thing. And, uh, how, and it relates to this McKinnon thing because, you, you know, you've got to be able to live closer together. More dense housing is the what we have to do for the future. We can't just keep going out and out and out and out and out. Maybe they should build an apartment building there. Oh, boy. I don't know if that would be, <laughs> it's if not that zoned. would fit. No, yeah. it is not in the historic, although apartment buildings would be in the historic character of the McKinnon Park District because people used to live in apartment buildings in the McKinnon Park area. There are plenty of old apartment buildings over there. I It's, I, I think that there's – they would never do this in the Cathedral District, which is also a historic district. You know what I mean? It, it's no, be, I don't. Yeah, I, I believe you're older, right. There's older houses. I don't think they have this – I don't know about the restrictions there in terms of the, the, the Board of Historic Significance or whatever they're called. But the I think there's this sort of uh, – when you say in the character of the neighborhood, what does that really mean? In the character of the uh, uh, cathedral neighborhood, does that mean, you know, so, uh, nice, some old mansions surrounded by uh, ramshackle working cottages? You know, there's, w- what is that? What is the historic character of a neighborhood? It's completely subjective. And depend, as we said, depends on who's on the board and who's friends with who. Oh yeah, I don't know if that has ever been discussed at great length to to know okay who is on the board and who what are the relationships between those on the board and and those who were having the dispute. Well, we didn't know anything about them until about 2 years ago, right? That's about is 2 3 years ago maybe this has been going on now. Yeah, and and you think about it they, the the people who are on this board well, we didn't sign up for this. Yeah, like uh, uh um, I got some other stuff I got to do. I know some other people live on that street and they rehab the house and they had to go and get the, the kinds of windows and stuff, uh, run it by everybody, but they weren't changing the exterior structure. I mean, they painted it and stuff like that, but they didn't, 
you know, it was the same house. They just put in new windows and put up a fence and stuff like that. So they're not going to get slapped down. But who says they wouldn't? Who says you go before the historic board and some chucklehead on there is like, uh, I don't think these windows are historically in a character with the, with the neighborhood. Well, that'd be bull hockey, wouldn't it? Yeah, especially because if the windows, you know, retro windows, they might be within the character, but definitely not in the energy efficiency that you would want no. in a modern window. Uh, we believe you need to use leaded glass, please. No. So uh, what about, you know, do you have to have wood-cased windows? I think you do. I think they make you get like, you can't have uh, uh, vinyl casing windows and stuff like that. But who's to say I don't think that that's, uh, it's bothersome. When you really start to think about it, it's kind of bothersome. And, you know, but it's become the news story that everybody wants to read about. Back in my uh, uh, daily newspaper days, if we published anything about that house, huge traffic, huge traffic. So I know they're getting, everybody's getting big time uh, uh, video views on their Facebook pages because they were gone live, but. Such is the way of the world, Mr. Peters. Such is the way of the world. We just get to live in it. And it will constantly change along the way. Yeah, yeah. We're going to come uh, right back. We've got a fine show for you. We're going to talk a little bit more about the news here in a bit. There's, like I said, a lot going on. And then uh, Michael Christensen, smart cyclist, will be here at 4 o'clock. And 4.30, we have Liz McMillan of Sanford Health, and we're talking about the Sanford Kids Science Festival. That's all coming up. Up next is the news and weather with... Mr. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 334 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is Rihanna Del Cid. She played last night. Here's the thing, there you go. You don't see it, but I know. You could be. And all the fish in the sea, they don't mean a thing to me. Cause I don't want no other. She was fantastic down at Icon last night. And uh, it was a sparsely, sparsely attended show. I'll say that. That happens on occasion, you know. Not a lot of folks out on a Wednesday night. But she was awesome. And we uh, talked to her a little bit after the show. And hoping that she'll be coming back to Sioux Falls. She's just not that far away. She's up in Minneapolis, originally from Fargo. It's just a beautiful album. I'm trying to remember the name of it now. <laughs> it's uh, Rerun City. Rerun City, it's a great album. You should go get it. But uh, uh, just a marvelous artist with a beautiful voice. And that's a song called Let's Begin, but uh, I highly recommend Rihanna Del Cid. Uh, so uh, a couple other good shows coming up. Uh, we talked about it with Hudson yesterday, uh, and one that I'm pretty excited about is um, the Violet show coming up, I think, next Friday night at uh, Icon. And the reason that's so cool is because uh, Heath Hengem, who was the original player, bass player in Violet and Flag with Hank, and for a while in No Direction when we, he was just a boy, just a lad. He's coming back. He's got a new band, 
and uh, Buffalo Kid, and he lives in Minneapolis now. He's always playing in a ton of bands, and he is coming back down for this show on Friday night, as well as uh, the uh, gentleman, his name escapes me, who used to be the lead singer in the Olympic Hopefuls, which had to drop the Olympic from it and just became the Hopefuls. They had a great record, and Heath was in that band as well, so it's just going to be this kind of huge Sioux Falls musical reunion situation, and Violet's playing, of course, new music with uh, and bringing the horns and the strings. It's going to be awesome, but that's something to get on your calendars right now. Um, as you all know, I'm a huge Rich Hill fanboy, so that's really not a surprise. So I'm seeing, I'm looking through the members of the Hopefuls. Yeah. Darren Jackson, Heath Hencham, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. John Hermanson, mm-hmm. Eric Fawcett, Eric Applewick, Matt O'Glaughlin. Yeah, I can't remember which guy. It's the lead singer. He was the songwriter and all that. He was the main force behind the Olympic Hopefuls. They had a great record, uh, but uh, they'll be down, and that's Friday night at Icon. So big triple bill there. Uh, uh, it's really a highly recommended show. So that's going to be a good time. But uh, Rihanna was good last night, and um, hopefully when she comes back, we can we can give her a better, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? Welcome, a better welcome. No, she was happy. She was fine. They get they they they're just they're a good band and. Playing in Lincoln tonight. If you're if you're within the sound of my voice, you're gonna be in Lincoln. Go see him at the zoo bar. Uh, you know, other news. Other news, by the way. Uh, this just came out today. We knew there was something coming on this issue that we've been discussing here on this program for a while, and that is public input at city council meetings. Um, so uh, two counselors. This is uh, Joe Sneevy's story today on the Argus Leader uh, Media site that uh, Marshall Selberg and Rick Kiley say they are going to unveil a formal ordinance that would do away with the 16-year-old practice of taking input from the public at the front end of the council meetings at 7 and move them to the back, to the back of the meeting, the back of the bus. And I think there's some sense that, that there's some expectation that there was something coming. And... Uh, but there's some hope that with the new mayor and the new council, there'll be sort of a new beginning and there's no need to change it. Well, they're going to change it. They're going to try and change it anyway. Uh, and, uh, you know, I do not agree with this. I think it's a, I think it's a bad move. I think it does not promote public participation, to put it at the end of a meeting. It could be at 9, could be at 10, could be at midnight. You don't know. And, I, you know, it's, because, it's just because you don't, just because somebody offended you once, or you don't agree with what they say. Well, the mayor or the chair or whoever's running the meeting has full power to shut somebody down, kick them out, no matter what. But to move that all the way to the back just rips the guts out of any sort of public participation in city council. Within a year or two, I guarantee you if they do this, they'll be complaining that nobody ever gives any input. We never hear from the public on these issues. Well, there you go. Uh, That's... Bugs me. I don't know. I do have a couple of questions, or at least I'm looking sure. for some clarification right. on this. Fire away. When you have, because I've never been to a council meeting. I'm usually here yeah. and doing other things here at the station. But do you have people that sit there, get their, put their public input, and then they immediately leave after the council chambers after giving their input? Sometimes. Uh, yeah, people show up for all kinds of different reasons at the beginning because there's also the awards, mayor's proclamations. You know, uh, when Mayor Huther would do the bike month proclamation in May, all, all us uh, goofy people would show up on our bikes 
And we would stand up there and say, thank you, Mr. Mayor. And then we would leave. And, you know, that happens. But that's not public input. Some of those folks sit around through the whole meal. You know, our, our frequent contributor, Scott Erisman, he sits there for the whole thing. But he'll often give input. Well, but, is, it, is it a decorum? Is it, is it outside the realm of decorum to, okay, there's not going to be public input until the end. Do you show up at 8 o'clock or 8.30? In order to you know, say, you know what, I'm not sitting through the whole meeting, but I'm going to come and give some public input afterward. Absolutely. People come and go all the time from the meetings. Um, even people who are there for things on the, on the uh, agenda, uh, whether it's a business getting a rezone or what, licensing, whatever, they come, they do their thing, and they leave. That's, the coming and going is not unusual. You don't have to sit in there once you're there. Um, so I don't I, – I feel like the, the thing that bothers me about this, and, and I, I don't really question that Mr. Sol, uh, Selberg and Mr. Kiley believe these things, I don't, but I just – what's so bad about it? So somebody you don't like gets up there every week and says something. So? Just because you don't like them or you don't like what they're saying doesn't mean that you should say, ah, this is – I don't like this. this is a bunch of malcontents. Well, that's – you know, we get to redress our grievances. And putting it at the back just pushes it behind a curtain, and I don't like that. I just don't like it. I think of it from the mental point of view. When you're doing all your business as a member of the council, mm-hmm. because I've been on boards, yeah. I'm still, I am part of a couple of boards. Mm-hmm. When you are in the moment of doing your business, there is a certain mindset that you are focused on doing the business of the council and following the agenda and making sure... If you are having that input at the beginning of the meeting, I think your focus probably tends to stay a little bit more sharp if that input is at the beginning of the meeting as opposed to at the end where, okay, all the business is done, now the people are coming to... I I don't think your focus is as bright at the end of the meeting as opposed to the beginning of the meeting. Very good point, Dan. I think that's correct. And and the fact of the matter is I think a lot of them would get up, go to the bathroom, get a drink of water, hang out, and really not pay any attention to public input. It would just become a, a second thought, and it wouldn't matter. And I think that's eliminating a very – well, you have to have public input. You can't not have it. It's the law. In fact, the city has to put in public input in a whole bunch more meetings now because they haven't been doing it, and it's against the law. Um, it's a new law, but it's in there. Uh, and it's particularly, particularly when we're coming out of this time of questions of transparency – I think it's doubly important to be as public friendly as you possibly can. Um, And my expectation is that with the new mayor, a lot of that angst is going to go down. Now it might come back up, but it's going to go down. And I think things are going to be fine. I think everything's going to be just fine if they just leave it alone. But we'll see. It'll be a good debate. Teresa Staley, who is not in favor of this, she's on the show on Monday, right? Yes, yes. She called me today and asked... Would Patrick have some time, please, yeah. to talk about this issue? So we squeezed out 10 minutes for her on Monday, about 3.45. So we'll talk about it again then. Uh, we're going to come right back after this short break and talk more about what's going on. Coming up at 4, it's Mr. Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist for Weird Friends. And we will talk with Liz McMillan in the second hour about the Sanford Kids Science Festival. Thanks for being here. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000. I think, you know, we're going to go out with... We need a little of this go out on Information 1000 KSOL. What do you think of that? Oh, little Rihanna Del Cid. I get by till my feelings multiply.
350 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. This is our old friends, Two Tracks, Lost in This Canyon. They were on the show not so long ago. Good band, I like them a lot. Um, we've been uh, chatting about news here this afternoon, and we got some, we got Michael Christensen, smart cyclist, coming up after the news and weather at the top, and uh, Liz McMillan from Sanford Health talking about the science fair. Um, I was look, going through uh, my various news sources, and we haven't really talked that much about the election. Uh, other than the fact that I did the uh, post-game report there on KSFY the other night. but uh, So I'm going through the blogs, my friend the bloggers. we got the Pat Powers at the Dakota War College. we got the uh, Corey Heidelberger at the Dakota Free Press. And then uh, Scott Irishman over there at South Dakota. And just sort of looking at it. And I saw something, a couple interesting things. One, the, the house race between uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, 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 Dusty Johnson. And Tim Bjorkman. And Tim Bjorkman. They... Uh, that's going to be very interesting. Um, they're already calling that like wonky, a wonky. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what how uh, Mr. Heidelberger put it. Johnson v. Vorkman, policy wonks dream, Trumpist fr- frustration, because they're both pretty, you know, moderate, middle of the road guys, even for their parties. I mean, Dusty was talking a big conservative game there. I mean, he is conservative. I don't mean that, but he's not. A hard right guy. He's not a Trumpist. You don't see him as a Trumpist. And Bjorkman's, you know, these guys are going to sit around and talk about, you know, GDP and <laughs> very, very, uh, they'll get both get in the weeds, I think. Well, we'll also have, let's also mention that there will be a libertarian. Yeah. George Hendrickson. George Hendrickson. In so there. there will be a three-way race. I always forget about the libertarian in that in that one. I remember it in the other ones, but I forget about it in that one. So, But we also have to mention that, that uh, Tim... Tim Bjorkman might have had a primary opponent, but Chris Martian did not file enough petitions. Whoops. If you can't get the petitions, yeah. But so it's going to be, they're, they're both very interesting guys, like them both. And uh, I've had good conversations with both of them. So I'm looking forward to that. That's, that's my kind of race there, baby. Uh, but the other interesting thing I saw on uh, Dakota War College was, uh, Pat Powers' point, who is a pretty uh, traditional Republican guy and takes a lot of bullets from the uh, hard right folks, he noted that uh, a Seth Tupper story in the Rapid City Journal and his own analysis, the the hard right uh, legislative candidates did not fare well out in Rapid City or elsewhere, which is which is interesting. Um, they've been they came hard this time trying to defeat a lot of those what they believe to be. Liberals, rhinos, Republican in name only, uh, and in large measure, I think in all cases they they lost. So that's uh, an interesting thing going on there uh, in the same election where Tapio got twenty three, I think twenty two, twenty three percent of the vote. Yeah, it was it was down in that area. So on one hand, you think maybe the hard riders did pretty well on the big scheme, but then. Um, at the legislative level, it really kind of got beat up. So I don't know that uh, there's I don't know that there's a huge lesson there, but I don't think that the the shift right is maybe as pronounced in the Republican Party as sometimes the uh, volume would suggest. Probably less than I would have imagined. You know, I would have thought that some of those folks would have done a little bit better than they did, but they didn't. So you know, what does that say for the upcoming session? Probably. 
nothing. <laughs> Probably no change there. Uh, same old scaping and yeah, but that conservative caucus featuring Elizabeth May and also Stace Nelson. Stace, yeah. You know, so that that contingent will probably not be as strong as what was first con- possible. Yeah, I think that that's probably true. Um, so that'll be, I mean, Stace was uh, actively campaigning for some of these folks. And in, in here in District 14, right here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, Stace Nelson was uh, backing... Um, Sean Tornow, former city attorney and former uh, legislator Sean Tornow, and against Deb Soholt, and, uh, well, he was, yeah, campaigning against Soholt and for his attorney, Sean Tornow, while Soholt pushed back challenger Tyler Swanger, and then Tornow lost in, the, uh, in his primary for House, too. He got third out of three. So he's gone. He's not going to make it. So the Stace Nelson candidates in that situation, they didn't, they didn't make it through in District 14. So there you go. You know the other interesting thing I noticed? There were not very many signs in District 14 because that's where I live now. And uh, just period. There just weren't that many political signs at all, which is kind of unusual. I don't know what that means. Maybe people are just completely disengaged over there. <laughs> or they're keeping their powder dry that for could, the November election. That could be. Uh, we're going to come right back here and chat a little more and uh, head right into the big top of the hour with Dan, the news and weather. So we'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. This is a public service announcement with Guitar! 357 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And it starts today. It's Thursday, right? Yep, starts today. It's Legends for Kids. Free clinics are being offered for children's children ages 5 and up to improve their skills on the field, court, mat, or ice. Kids will learn from the area's best coaches and sports legends. All participants receive a free t-shirt. Events include, well... Uh, this one's done, but uh, the the golf. But you can get out there at 5 p.m. for the Legends Banquet at Sanford, Sanford Pentagon. Uh, tomorrow you got soccer, hockey, football, baseball, softball, volleyball, martial arts. Whoo! Sunday's basketball, tennis, and wrestling. There's a free lunch from 11 to noon on Saturday. Get out there; it's a good time. You can get all the information at kso.com on the events calendar. So it's a lot. Legends always a good time. Lots of very famous people here. Teaching the kiddos. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. We'll talk with Michael Christensen. He, of course, is the smart cyclist for Weird Friends. And we'll have Liz McMillan from Sanford talking about the big science fair. Stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Six on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And joining me in the studio, thankfully, thankfully, some sanity has been placed on this disorder by Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist, with a sort of late addition, weird friends. Usually it's at 3.30. 4.06, I'm usually done by now. 4.06, usually into, into happy hour by now. No, that's not I'm true. on my bike and going around the bike trail. Yeah, that's what you usually do. That is what I do. Uh, so, but you were gracious enough to come over at four o'clock with our 
twins adjusted schedule. If I'm anything, I'm flexible. <laughs> They've been saying that about you for years. I even looked up the twins game to see how they did. And they won. With one pitcher. I know. How's that? Jose and like, Barrios. And 106 pitches or something close to that. Yeah, that's why. That's um, quick. It was quick. You don't need to tell me it was quick. <laughs> it was quick, and yet I'm a half hour later on the show. I don't know how that happened. Um, so Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist, we always talk about, we talk a lot about planning and, and alternative transportation, and but we talk a lot about bikes. We do. And uh, we tend to focus sometimes on, on the transportation aspects of it. But there are many and varied recreational aspects of it, and there's like things going on that are very interesting right now. There are. Such as, uh, first of all, my friend, I've talked about her on the show, Molly. Molly Clark, Clark Owen. Owen. She won a big race down in Davenport. That was w- cool. Winning the 53rd annual Quick Trip Criterium or something close to that. I don't think that. it's Quick Trip. It's like Quick Something Else, but quick it's something. in Davenport, so they don't care. But uh, yeah, but that, that, that Criterium's been going a long time. It's part of a big weekend. How do you, have, how do you have 53 years of a Criterium and... That's just amazing. I know. I mean, we couldn't start something. I wouldn't be alive if we started something <laughs> now and it went 53 years. Yeah, and so Molly had a great weekend down there. She's uh, racing as a uh, uh, P12, which means she's in the top class of women. And that's Pro 1-2, right? Pro 1-2. She's a 1. And am, am I right? Did I hear right that she's the first and only? As far as I know. That's impressive. If there's an if there's another woman racing cyclist out there who made it to Cat One, I'd like to I'd like to know, but yeah. I, I just don't know anybody that has yeah. ever done that. So it's pretty cool. And and she knows my name, and so yeah. I think that's great. <laughs> At least yeah. I think she knows my name. She's yeah, uh, yeah she's awesome. She's on uh, Sanford Power team. P, yes, P forty four new team, Parallel forty four. Ooh, you'll be seeing that later. Will I? Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, Parallel 44. Is that our? Uh, is that a have to do with our area on the globe? Yeah, it does. We're okay. on the 44th Parallel. Neat. Yeah, Sanford Power, sponsored team. So Very good. that's pretty cool. And uh, uh, Greg Gleason. So so yeah, Molly's the regional acti- activity person. Mm-hmm. Greg Gleason, local cyclist, headed to his second attempt at the Great Divide Race. Which is amazing. Starts in Banff. Banff, Canada to... Somewhere in what? Arizona, New Mexico? The other end of the it's the other end of the country. I the know other that. end of the continental divide. divide. Yeah. And so it's the trail that runs that thing. And he tried last year and didn't uh, didn't survive to the end and given it another shot this year. And he posted a video at the end last year when he had to give up because his he couldn't hold his head up anymore. Yeah. Right. Oh my god. Right. And it was it was really heartbreaking to watch. Yeah, very emotional video. Very emotional time. Um, it's amazing what can come out of your mouth and body when you've been alone for that long and <laughs> yeah. suffering for that long. And, uh, and yeah, literally. So you see the Race Across America riders in video of that sometimes, and they put a two-by-four up their back and tape their helmet to the top of that to hold up their head. And they still fall asleep on the bike. And he didn't go that far. No. But, uh, yeah, he's given that another shot. So that's kind of a national, maybe an international event. That's a big deal. Yeah. You can finish that. That's pretty amazing. Right. So Greg's out there doing that. He's on uh, uh, Central Plain Cycling. Yes. Still part of that team. Yep. Uh, and then... Uh, what, what else? There's all kinds We've of got the South on. Dakota thing. Oh, RASDAQ. We've got the ride across South Dakota happening right now. You know, RASDAQ has not gotten nearly enough love on this program. Okay. 
We'll, we'll, I, I just let's give it some that. now. So they're out there riding across South Dakota, 150, 200 people, whatever it is. Yeah, about 200 people. They left Flandreau on Saturday. They arrived in Union Center of mm. all places. Is that a place? It is. Home of Larry Roden, State Senator Larry Roden. Perfect. Yeah. They arrived there yesterday. They're headed to, I think, well, I don't know. Bell Forge. Yeah, Bell Forge is a stop. And then Hewlett, Wyoming. Yes. Near Devil's Tower. And some of them started in Sioux Falls on, on Saturday, this day before the official right. ride. Rode from here to there. Here to Flandreau. In, into a 40-mile-an-hour wind. And then their next day was also into the wind. <laughs> yeah, I was not feeling like I wanted to be out there when I was seeing those photos. Yes. Now Very it's beautiful, windy. and I'm feeling like I want to be out there. Yesterday, so my favorite photo is uh, from yesterday is they went through the Cheyenne River Valley, mm-hmm. which I guess is like a three-mile climb up out of that. Cool. And so, yeah, the pictures are vast and huge, and you can, and a couple of them were very good at showing the uphill, even though it was a photo. So, yeah, it was really, uh, that was a beautiful spot. They went by Bear Butte today. Okay. Yeah. See, the, nice. um, we're just following along on Facebook because everybody we know posts pictures just to make us feel bad. Yes, and it works. Yeah. I rode that last year for the first time. I was very committed to it this year, but it just didn't work out. I'm registered. So technically, oh. you know, when they count attendance at baseball games, they say there's 40,000, even though you can clearly see that there's 10,000. Paid attendance. So, yeah. So I'm one of those 200, even though I'm sitting here in studio. That's too bad. Yes. Um, and some of them were texting me just to tell me how bad it was the first couple of days. So that was fine. I got a message. Hey, Michael, just wanted to let you know that you could have been going 70 miles into a headwind all day today. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to bed now. <laughs> it's five o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll talk about, uh, uh, some other big events coming up in the world of recreational cycling here in a minute with Michael Christensen, the smart cyclists. Uh, we'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally show information 1000 KSOO. 419 on the Patrick Lally show information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with the one and only smart cyclist. There's probably other smart cyclists in the world, but not as smart as Michael Christensen. Michael. I'm, uh, the, I'm the pretty smart, or no, I'm the smart cyclist. Everyone else, pretty smart cyclist. <laughs> Less, the lesser smart cyclist than Michael. Um, hey, we talked about this not so long ago, but it's good to remind people. Big event coming up, the Sioux Falls Trail Challenge. So we went national, regional, statewide, and now let's talk about Sioux Falls Trail Challenge. Hyper-local. Hyper-local. Uh, but this is, this is a great event for, uh, I should say, it's sponsored by FAB, Falls Area Bicyclists, of which you are the president. I am the fake member at large. And uh, we've been doing this for a while. It used to be called Tour Sioux Falls. Okay. We did it yes. in conjunction with some other folks. Now it's just us. Just Falls cool. Area Bicyclists. And some fine people on our board. Did all the hard work. Doing all the hard work. And we're just promoing it. We are. <laughs> no, but this is a great event for uh, families who and people who have never gone all the way around the trail or do you just like to ride the trail? Right. So, yeah, my, my favorite part of that and is that, yeah, the, the we got this trail system and a lot of a million people use it every year, right? If we believe the counters, which we do. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you count those kind of funny. But, but yeah, a million people... Traverse the trail between Yankton Trail Park and Falls Park or Cherry Rock Park or something like that. And uh, so tons of users. And and I assume that a large percentage of those people, one, either don't know that the 
that trail loops all the way around the city. It's contiguous. Goes goes through downtown, around Southtown, follows the river basically all the way north to the airport. And so people don't know that that exists. And certainly people know that it exists, thinks it's an awful long way to travel, and so haven't ever tried to go around. And so our and invitation... it's 19 some... It's like 20 miles. We 20 call miles. it 20 miles. 19 point something, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the invitation is to come out and do it in a uh, in an, in a happy friendly environment where supportive supportive yes happy friendly supportive environment where there's going to be up to six rest stops with interesting I like to say shiny happy people at the rest stops giving encouragement. Um, Are you getting other people? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, interesting groups uh, groups that want to be supportive water. Uh, snack food along the way, carbs along the way, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and and come out and ride that trail. Challenge yourself, challenge your family, challenge your kids. I think I was fourteen ish when I went all the way around. I know there's kids younger that have gone all the way around. Oh yeah, yeah, um, and and yeah, it's 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 an event for the community, and we want to see you out on your bikes. But you could also run it. You can also rollerblade it. You know, your typical bike trail conveyances, come do it in any of those. Longboard. Yep, longboarding. Um, and, yeah, if you don't want to go all the way around or if you get halfway and find that you can't, then, well, don't go halfway around. And find, <laughs> if you go halfway around and find that you can't make it, well, go the other way half. Just keep then, going. And then just keep going, yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you find you can't make it at least halfway, well, then turn around, you know, and, and come back to uh, the host place and uh, come out and enjoy the day. And it's June 30th. Uh, yep, June 30th. Um, official start time is 9 a.m. And official cutoff time is 2 p.m. Um, host, the host site is Remedy Brewing. They have a nice back porch area that is um, great, easy, simple access to the bike path. And a lot of so, parking. And a lot of parking. If you want to drive down. Right. But you don't have to drive. Right. But if you're afraid of the 20 miles, then you might as well drive down and so that, to ensure that you got may have the extra miles in your legs. Um, register for that at fallsareabicyclist.org's website. There's a big old shield on the front page of that that says Trail Challenge. and um, Probably throw a link on Peel Alley Show on Twitter. Can probably do that. We can probably do that. Or go to Falls Area Bicyclist on uh, Facebook. On Facebook, yeah. Got to follow that anyway. There's an event. Know. There's uh, Yeah, that's it's, it's our main thing this month. It's our... It's it's a, probably our main thing for the year because we want to do this for the community. And you don't have to start right at nine, but we sort of want to get everybody going, yeah. especially if you're going to go all the way around. Uh, leaving from Remedy, finishing at Remedy, uh, uh, it's not uh, necessarily you know kids 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 can come there. Is what we're saying. We're just leaving yes. from that spot. You don't have to right. go in the bar, right? But uh, they're helping us out, and they got cool new jerseys, by the way. They do. Yeah, those are sweet. Biking jerseys. Remedy yep. Brewery, it's uh, basically at 8th and Railroad yep. is the parking. So you get down there and find it. Um, but the, the really cool thing about this year is there's a small fee if you're not a FAB member. Right. Uh, $15 to register if you're not a FAB member. And FAB membership is $25. So join FAB because you like what FAB's doing and then participate for free. But still register for the event so we yeah. know you're coming. So for 25 bucks you get the trail ride and FAB membership. Yes. So that's a good deal. Yep. But... Uh, anything we raise here goes, uh, 
is going to a very good cause, Michael. Yeah. You also are connected to. Right. So I'm connected to Falls Area Single Track. And uh, the concept is, and it has been for three or so years, that the proceeds for the event go to Falls Area Single Track, um, specifically this year to the Falls Area Single Track's Tut Hill Project. It's very exciting. The goal is to raise $2,500. And I see our website is showing $625 raised so far. So seems like we're on a pretty decent pace to get close to that. And uh, uh, recently got a significant contribution from the Great Outdoor Store. Yes. So the Great Outdoor Store hosted some event, Come Down and uh, Beer and Gear. So see the gear and enjoy some local brew beer and, and pay some money in, in a couple different places. And uh, yeah, $3,000 from yeah. them. So what's awesome. the total price tag on the Tut Hill Project? Total price tag Tut Hill Project is close to $70,000. Wow. And that is to say that because Tut Hill is so special that we want fast wanted that to be gorgeous and well done and perfect. So, so it's being hired out. So trail arts from Rapid City, Black Hills area have, have been building trails for years. Mm -hmm. They're one of the nation's finest and they are coming this month. Wow. To start. You're kidding me. Not kidding you. That's awesome. Yeah. So we'll see some progress there already this month and he's staying till the money runs out. (laughs) Money, money. Um, so that uh, has a uh, hopeful uh, finished date of when? This year? Yeah. Yes. So so about half of what we need is raised. Um, and the fall, if if the money gets fully raised, he'll the trail arts guy will be here till the fall and it will be done. That's awesome. And you will be able to ride mountain bikes on there, walk it. Yep. It's not just for mountain bikes. Uh, people run trails. Uh, this is in addition to the Leaders Park that w- that Fast has done, and also uh, Yankton Trail Park. So we're really developing some nice urban mountain bike hiking running trails. Yes, right, right. The beauty of the single track is, you know, it gives it it gives the woods, it gives people access to the woods, and so you're you're on this small dirt trail, you're running, you're biking, you're rubbing shoulders with the trees. It's, that kind of space is pretty tough to come by in this city. And so having Leaders Park, having the, what we have at Yankton Trail Park gives that sort of access. And, and all our stuff is in the parks. So, yeah, it's encouraged to share, um, give each other a good experience while you're on it. So mm-hmm. when you encounter walkers, runners, and bikers, there's rules of the trail of who yields to who. Um, bikers yield to walkers mm-hmm. and, and, and runners, and runners yield to walkers, and et cetera. Yeah. And there's ways to get along, and that's important. But, yeah, it's our trails are accessible to any of those. And the Tut Hill area is, is a spot that no most people have never been in because there's really not great access to there now, but now there will be. Right. And so that, it's going to run basically from Spencer, too. The end of Spencer Park, right? Doesn't there's a trail that comes out over there? Uh, will it go all that way? Well, it's, it can't, it's not going to cross cliff. No. And so, so I don't know exactly what you mean, but... <laughs> Well, we'll see when it gets done, but, I guess. But, right. But yeah, it's going to utilize the ba- a lot of the backside of Tut Hill Park where nobody ever goes because it's just trees and overgrown and brush and, yep. and not very pleasant. And so you're going to be able to walk in there and, and experience it. And so you go out, you ride your bike on the 30th, you help contribute to Tut Hill Project so that you can ride your bike in Tut Hill in the fall. Exactly. That's cool. Michael Christensen, he is the smart cyclist for the Patrick Lally Show. Michael, thanks for coming over today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And I'm going to go head out in a for a bike ride in the rain now, I think. Oh, have fun. That's gonna, it's going to be good. It, I love riding in the rain. Yeah. We'll be right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 
you don't see them, do you dare? 435 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. The theme of the day is, uh, of course, Rihanna Del Cid. Uh, that's Million Girls. But that's not why we're here right now, because we're here to talk with Liz McMillan, who is the Manager of Research Education Programs for Sanford Research. Liz, welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show. Thanks. Nice to be here again. Um, so you were here the last time, the last summer sometime, okay, because... Uh, you were talking about uh, a big science fair and, and that you were having in that time. But now you're having it again. And it's Saturday. The it's all about science festival. The oh, community yeah. celebration of science. Oh, this community celebration of science. Yeah. That's pretty good. Do you, so you've been doing this how long? This is our seventh year. So since 2012, we've had the It's All About Science Festival. Community partners came together and said, you know, those art fairs, you know, these community fairs, we should have one that celebrates science. And it's uh, this Saturday out at Sanford Research, right? Yeah, the Sanford Research Center right off of 229 and I-90 right there, the mm-hmm. building with the blue light right near the Sanford House, which will be open for tours this weekend, too. Oh, really? And that's, uh, tell people about the Sanford House. The Sanford cool. House is the Sanford Foundation built a space for both their functioning and also to bring in partners and members and other players who want to get involved in understanding about T. Denny's story and um, the philanthropy that goes on in our community and how that really benefits so many of us with the Children's Miracle Network and a lot of others. And so they've got kind of a museum set up at the Sanford House as well that people can go in and it's open to the public now even. They'll have a grand opening later this summer, but this weekend they'll have some docents there for tours oh, on Saturday. Cool. And it's it's kind of a little castle looking yeah, it's like a, a mini, mini castle, castle yeah. giant house. I don't know which <laughs> way you want to call it, but it's a really neat space. It's still, the yard is under construction, but the whole house is built and I've had the opportunity to go inside and it was beautiful. So on Saturday, uh, give us the details on this. Uh, who can come? What time does it start? That sort of thing. So really, this is for people of all ages. We hope to see people that aren't sure they're into science. I think everybody can have an aspect and an understanding of science. We've got over 50 different community organizations. Some of them are business professionals like TSP who are coming to share the work in the engineering and the architecture that they do. Um, Other groups who are used to doing education and outreach like the Washington Pavilion and the Outdoor Campus have been partners for many years. Um, And then we've also got uh, stage performances so people can and in the community can come and see some of our featured shows. Stage performances. Yeah, you know, like Bill Nye, right? If, yeah. If from back when, Bill Nye always did these TV shows. We've got that in real life. So South Dakota's Public Broadcasting Science Steve will be there doing some stage shows. We've got a guy who calls himself a bubbleologist because that's a thing. <laughs> bubbleologist? You can like do bubbles as a job. Learn about <laughs> bubbles no. and study how to make coolest bubbles, so and then you can do about shows. Like you know, you have to get a little soap, get a little dish soap, and a little water, and that's yeah. Sort of thing. And since I think we had our first bubbleologist in 2013, and we've had two different bubbleologists now. Wait, Keith there's more than it. one bubbleologist. Yeah, right. It's like a community. You can follow them online. There are people that make giant bubbles that are like the size of a house that are just through these systems and they have to use a lot of science and engineering to figure out how to make the bubble actually work. Huh? You know, viscosity. Yes, <laughs> that's a thing. I got magic bubble solution from last year's bubbleologist and I tell you what, I have no idea what he put in it because it's proprietary and they like <laughs> deal with it, but it works better than any other bubble solution ever I've had. Do you have one of those big rings where you go, 
Yeah, so there's a name. I can't remember the name of it. It's, there's a string that you can use because you're too, not a bubbleologist. You can make it this big thing, and um, even Radiolab has some stories about bubbleology. If you want to listen to some podcasts about bubbles, that's a thing too. You can listen about bubbles on the radio. <laughs> Radiolab is a great show, by the way. Um, so. We're talking with Liz McMillan uh, from Stanford Research. She's the manager of research education programs and the science uh, festival. It's not a festival. What do you call it? it? We do call it. The, it's festival? all about science festival. It's yeah, part, you know, there's U.S. and STEM and engineering festivals that Got date it. way back to the first science festival. Um, and it uh, starts at nine. And so you, how does that work? Do you come, you bring your kids out there and you drop them off at the door, you come back and pick them up at 4.30, is that how that works? We want your grown-ups with you, too. Oh, and it, if you okay. don't have kids, if you're just a grown-up and would like to come to the Science Festival, learn about the things that our community is involved in, we invite people of all ages. Actually, like your your typical 13-year-old, if you really want to give them something fun to do this weekend, they can interview a scientist and meet one-to-one with some people who have careers in STEM, which I think is a pretty cool opportunity for them to learn about their pathway or the type of work that they do, the things that get them excited and passionate about their work um, but it's a come and go as you please some people come and think they're gonna stay for a half an hour and then I find them again like five or six hours later and they're like so we had to eat here because my kid <laughs> didn't want to leave um, so that does happen well that's awesome there there is sustenance available yeah. if on site that's good yeah uh, we're gonna come right back and talk more with Liz McMillan she is the manager of research and at research education programs for Sanford Research this is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four forty-four on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we return to our conversation with Liz McMillan. She is the manager of research education programs for Sanford Research, which is out in the northeast part of town near the intersection of i-90 and i-229 and this saturday big science festival for not kids of all ages but just people who are interested in science correct liz yeah i think i'm using kids as a loose term of like i think of myself sometimes like a kid (laughs) to get excited about things so learners of all ages maybe is another way to say it yeah but yeah the milton bradley style so we go like the two to hundred and bring your babies too we were talking a little bit off air it's it's more than just uh, a bunch of uh, a couple of booths where you get some literature on, like you know, undergraduate programs at Tech or something. Yeah, it's it's uh, uh, there's a lot of people at this thing. Yeah. So even like so, Southeast Tech is there mm-hmm. as one of the booths, but they're bringing their ultrasound machines to show you. You can like check out your insides or check out their insides and see how that all goes down, which is I think pretty cool too. Um, everything is hands on, so there's a lot of interactive opportunities, things to take home and do some science at your at your own homes, um, and then to interact and learn from professionals and meet some of our STEM professionals right here in our Sioux Empire community. And food trucks and Yeah, they're they're inside food trucks. So like the SDSU ice cream truck will be bringing their stuff inside tomorrow so we can have it on Saturday. Um, But SDSU ice cream is always a pretty big hit. We've got some gumbo and some other concessions if you want a walking taco. So we really want to do that so that people can come and stay and not have to get far away to go get a meal. Saturday, 9 to 4.30 out at Sanford Research. Um, Let's talk just a little bit about why you do this. Uh, Other than just to show off cool stuff, why uh, does Sanford 
have a, a research education programs to begin with. What do, what do you do, Liz? So I think I have a really super cool job. I, I, as a former teacher and a scientist and really mixing some of those pieces together, I get to learn about the awesome science that Sanford Research does and share that with the community. But also inherent to that, in order to inspire our next generation of scientists, we really have to give positive experiences for all young people and the community that feeds their need to become professionals to understand what science is and how important and beneficial it is for all of the things that we do, for your ability to listen into radio right now we talk about the science that goes into all of that mm-hmm. technology it may have been around for a little bit longer than some of our other opportunities like the internet and podcasts and things but it still is such a staple to what we do and so having kids in our community who respects and is excited about the science and that endeavor is really a part of my role at Sanford Research. There were a number of community members eight years ago who got together and said, hey, we're celebrating other things in our community. Let's let's celebrate engineering and science. And there's so much that goes on that people don't know about in our organizations. Um, we get, for example, the t-shirts for the festival are donated by Innovative and just what goes into screen printing a t-shirt, you know, the layers of information that have to go into that technology are really cool and those things are happening here. So being able to celebrate that for and with our community is is great for our kids to see that people are getting excited about it and we'd love to see people of all ages, walks of life. It's a free event thanks to all the sponsors that get behind it as well. Liz McMillan, she is manager of education, research education programs at Sanford Health. Let's talk about the broader mission for a minute, and that is getting kids to understand that there are opportunities out there in science career, science, math, engineering. Is it getting better? Because it seems like we ramped up the, the notion that we need to get kids and, you know, not just little boys, but little girls everybody interested in science because we need them and there's great opportunity out there and in Sioux Falls. How's it going in terms of the awareness that we need to focus on STEM education? I think a lot of institutions are doing more for that. You know, South Dakota adopted a new set of science standards a couple of years ago, 2015, I think is when they adopted them officially. And that led us recognize that there is a need to teach people not just science content so understanding the parts of a plant or these types of things but actually understanding the the way that we investigate our world the questions that we ask and the way that we can dig a little bit deeper and find out more information and also be able to think really critically argue about the work that we do find new information that upsets old information and ideas and be able to start to put that together into the best picture we can make of what our world is and how it works. What do you tell parents about so many people uh, will say, I'm not good at math or I, I don't like science or, but what does that say to their children then? And, and how do you, what do you tell parents about talking to their kids about, science and, and, and not being that, oh, you know, I can't do that. That's too hard. Right. I think when we hear something's hard, we tend to like back away from it for some reason where we should think, well, it's hard. So it be- creates this challenge for me. I want to figure it out. It makes me want to do it. A lot of people who say they're not good at science and math, if you look at the careers that they have or the things that they do, I, I've met people who are, you know, 
really great mechanics and they say they're not good at science or math and it's it's a funny dichotomy to me because I think you you literally do science in your work every mm-hmm. day um, even to a more basic level than a lot of people who are practicing scientists and writing grants and doing this and calling themselves a professional scientist sometimes there are people in our community who are doing jobs that they don't think are STEM are actually really the heart of STEM. Um, My dad is an electrician, for example, and I think about the physics and the engineering that goes into the daily work that he does to put in circuits and to understand why a fire alarm keeps tripping or any of those things are like so grounded in basic science that I think that's really important to recognize. I also think as we as we work with kids, especially, you know, young girls or underrepresented community to get them to pursue these types of STEM careers, it's more than just I heard from school or had a positive experience or my teacher thinks I'm good at science. They really need that whole community buy-in to say that this is a career that has potential and has opportunities for them. And I would like to see all young people become professionals that are happy about the work that they do and enjoy going to work on a daily basis like I am fortunate enough to be able to do. How are we doing in this? In the You talked a little bit about higher ed. How are we doing at the uh, elementary, middle, high school level uh, in terms of teaching science and stressing science in our school systems? We are working hard at it. <laughs> We're not there yet. We have work to do. Um, there's There's been some polls over the last few years about how much time elementary students are spending on science that have started to disrupt the system a little and make people a little bit more aware. It's not one of our tested subjects until fifth grade, so sometimes it gets put on the back burner. That's too um, late. Right, it definitely too late. I, I have a one and a half year old and I think so often about how he's investigating his world and understanding more about the things around him and understanding what parts of things he can eat and can't eat. But that's like kind of doing that investigation of science. I've never had a second grader come into research and be like, I hate science. Um, but some somewhere around that fifth grade age is when they make this transition. Like it's a like or hate for it for some reason. And I'd like to see them all at least enthusiastic and understand that it's necessary and it's so broad and maybe a a kid has a bad experience in school uh, doesn't get something or what have you and it just becomes science is bad right and we have to give them I I think and it's my theory and it's not tested so that's fine but I think that if we give them positive experiences as young people or surround them by this tripod you know of, of things that can help support them that if they do have a single poor experience or even a couple of poor experiences that they can be resilient and break through what that looks like and get through and really still even if their career is not STEM mm-hmm. at least appreciate that science is a part of you know our community and our life and in my state, in my life, it makes what I do easier and better. I get yeah. to commute faster and all of those things on a regular basis. And it's worth the investment. Definitely. Uh, Liz McMillan, she is the manager of research education for Sanford Research. And uh, we thank her very much for coming on the show today. The Science Festival is this Saturday, 9 to 4.30 at Sanford Research out at the intersections of 29, no, 229 and 90, the uh, northeast part of town. Uh, have Free fun. inside, so air conditioned. If it gets crazy hot, all or the rainy. good stuff. Yeah, you, it's, it's going to go off one way or the other, right? Yep, it's all about science.org. If somebody's looking for more information, there you go. It's all about science.org. Liz, thanks a lot. Thank you. We're going to come right back up and finish the program just after this break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.
458 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Hey, don't forget, coming up Saturday, Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. at the Coliseum, 515 North Main Avenue. It's the Festival of Cultures at the Coliseum. Enjoy the sights, sounds, and tastes from around the world. Free admission. For more information, go to the events calendar at KSO.com and find out what's going on. It's a great event. Coming up tomorrow, everybody, Dana Lasecki of the Friends of the Big Sioux River will be here to talk about all that stuff that's coming down the river. The Buffalo Maiden is our weird friend of the day, and Thea Miller-Ryan of the Outdoor Campus will make her weekly stop. Uh, It's going to be a great happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show. That's all coming up tomorrow on Information 1000 KSOO.